Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, for the next several months, we're going to be reading at Mass from Paul's great letter to the Romans. You might wonder why the Church is asking us to spend so much time with this particular letter. Well, Paul never wrote a more thorough and searching account of the Christian thing than this communique to the little Christian community in Rome sometime maybe in the 50s or early 60s of the first century. If you've been to Rome, you might have wandered through the picturesque little neighborhood called Trastevere. It's a region right across the Tiber from the Roman Forum. And during ancient times, this was a Jewish quarter. It's likely that this is where the first Christians coming out of this Jewish matrix would have gathered. And so at some point in the 50s, let's say, this letter of Paul to the Romans came into that neighborhood and was read. Romans is one of the last letters, perhaps the last that Paul wrote. And it's by far, as I say, his most involved and theologically articulate. Many great theologians over the centuries, from Augustine to Luther to Thomas Aquinas and Karl Barth, have made it central to their thought. Okay, if we could distill then one great idea from this letter of Paul, what would it be? Well, though he speaks of many important themes, there's little doubt that justification was his central preoccupation justification. As a rabbi trained by the great Gamaliel, Paul, Shaul of Tarsus, would have heard a great deal about mishpat. That's the Hebrew word for righteousness or justice. As a Greek trained in classical philosophy, undoubtedly young Shaul of Tarsus received a classical Greek education too. He would have heard the term Dikaiosune, Greek for setting right. That's the word he uses in the letter to the Romans, written, of course, in Greek. Mishpat, dikaiosune, justification, have to do with the process by which, listen, someone who is not right with God becomes right with God. Dikaiosune, justification, has to do with the process by which we are rectified or straightened out in regard to God. Now, this implies, of course, and Paul was one of the first people to talk about this, that we are off kilter. That we are now unjustified, out of line. We're close now to what the church will eventually refer to as the doctrine of original sin. 
the claim that all is not right with us. That our minds, our wills, yes, even our bodies and passions are not aligned properly in regard to God. Now, I'll speak as a, a Catholic. As you know, this is a major point of dispute between classical Catholic theology and classical Protestant theology. I'll speak as a Catholic. This doesn't mean that we're total wrecks. So the great reformers talk about total depravity, that original sin has so broken us in relation to God that we're just totally depraved. But on the Catholic reading, it does indeed mean that we don't operate smoothly. We're offline. Now, I realize this might be annoying to the non-golfers listening to me, but golf analogies spring to my mind a lot when we talk about the spiritual life. Because you know, golfers know this, that in a proper swing, alignment is key. Your feet your knees, your hips, your shoulders all have to be aligned properly to the target. If something's out of whack, and most of us bad amateur golfers, something is out of whack in our alignment, then when you swing, you're going to be off plane. And now listen, you will probably advance the ball, but not nearly as far as you want to and not nearly as straight as you want to. Well, something similar obtains in the spiritual order. When we are kinky, off-kilter, off-line, twisted, we're not lost, it's not hopeless, but we don't run right in regard to God. Things don't flow properly. Let me stay with that image for a bit. Think of a system of pipes meant to conduce water. What's necessary for these pipes? Well, they've got, to be, they've got to be straightened out. They might gently curve and so on, but they have to be basically straightened out or the water won't flow through them. What will stop the water, but if the pipes kind of turn back on themselves, they become collapsed or, or kinky or off-kilter, and it blocks the flow of the water. So, are we, because of original sin, God's life is meant to flow into us and flow through us to the world. But we are, in Paul's language, unjustified, unrectified, kinky, off-kilter. And so the divine life, the divine grace, can't flow into us and can't flow through us to the world. Our spiritual and moral alignment is off. And that's why we shouldn't be surprised that our spiritual and moral lives are unsatisfying. It's true of most of us, isn't it? In fact, Paul said, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's true of all of us that we're not the people we want to be. Okay. What is it on the biblical reading that's caused this problem? Why are we unjustified? Well, here's Paul's answer. Lack of faith. Lack of faith. 
Now, to get at this, don't think of faith here primarily as assenting to propositions. That's a derivative sense of faith, that I have faith in these beliefs and creeds and propositions, and that's true. But think of it now as something far more existential. Faith, for Paul, means trust in the Lord. Trust. Confidence. Turning one's life over to the direction of God and living for His purposes. Abiding by His plans. You know what faith is? I'll use again a phrase I've used a lot before with you. Realizing your life is not about you. No, no. Your life belongs to God. Your life is ingredient in God's plans and purposes. You trust in the Lord that He will work through you. Now, see what happens when you have faith. It's as though you relax. You breathe deeply. You unwind some of these kinky elements within your own soul and you allow thereby the grace of God to flow into you and through you into the world. Relax. Trust. Have faith. And God's grace will flow. Remember that great line from Ephesians chapter 6. There's a power already at work in you that can do infinitely more than you can ask or imagine. Well, the point is, trust it. Trust it. See, here's the problem. Most of us who lack faith feel that we have to justify ourselves. See, we have to make our lives meaningful. We've got to accomplish it. Now, what that does, and Paul, he's dead right about this, what that does is it turns us even more tightly in around ourselves. It's like someone who's, who's caught in quicksand, and, and the more he struggles, the more he's drawn under. I will justify myself. I'll find the path. I'll do it. No, no. You just make your inner life more closed in and more cramped. So what's the key to justification? Paul's great answer. Trust. Faith. And here, his model is the great Father in faith, Abraham. Rabbi Shaul, St. Paul, goes back here to the founding figure in Israel, the first Israelite. As God forms a people after his own heart, he chooses Abraham. Listen now to Paul's description. Abraham believed, trusted hoping against hope that he'd become the father of many nations. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body as already dead and the dead womb of Sarah. Paul's referring here to that great promise given to Abraham that though he was an old man, though his wife was an old lady, they would have a son. And through that son, the promise would be fulfilled. Abraham trusted that word. Silly, foolish, yeah, probably in the eyes of the world. 
But Abraham trusted. And that allowed the divine life to flow through him. It allowed the divine plan to be fulfilled through him. And now here's the payoff. Here's the point of this first reading. In some ways, the whole point of the letter to the Romans. Paul said, quote, It, this faith, was credited to him as righteousness. Dikaiosune, mishpat, justice, right ordering. You see what he's saying? In the measure that Abraham had faith, he trusted, he became justified. This was the act that straightened him out and made him a vehicle of God's grace. Now, you say, okay, that's of some antiquarian interest, I suppose. Uh Uh-uh, not as Paul sees it. Because Abraham is the first Israelite. The church, those who believe in Jesus Christ, are the new Israel, grafted on to the family formed around Abraham. And so we, too, are shaped by this same faith. Listen to Paul again. It was also for us, to whom it will be credited, who believe in the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Well, that's all of us. It's all of you listening to me. In the measure that you can put your trust in the God who raised Jesus from the dead, you will be justified, straightened out, set right. And it's good news not just for you. It's good news for the world because now God's life will flow through you. There's not much in the Bible, friends, more important than this. There's not much that's more central. It's the one thing Paul wanted to tell that community in Rome. And so I say it to you now. You want to be justified. Have faith. Trust in the Lord. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.